are we calling this? Grubs and Games? Games and Grub? Games and Grub. Best podcast on the planet. You guys are great. Friendship with the Games and Grub podcast. It's Games and Grub with your host, Brian Gallagher. Hey, we know Brian Gallagher. Gallagher has trained for months and months for this moment. Zach Passios. The Mr. Zachary Passios. Summer saying that he's rivaling the talents of Zachary Passios. And Aiden Hatton. Aiden is like Kyler Murray. I've coined him the Marquette Marvel because what can't he do? Live on Marquette Radio. That's right. Live from the Marquette Radio Studios, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is Radio's Restaurant, the Saloon of Sports Talk. From the diner booth to the radio booth, Games and Grub, right here on MUR. We've got you locked and loaded for the next 90 minutes. I'm Aiden Haddon alongside my two amazing co-hosts, the Minnesota Marvel. First off, the 200-inning workhorse of Games and Grub these days, Mr. Brian Gallagher. How are we doing today? It's a fine morning. Fine morning it is, Mr. Gallagher, and the person who I have actually not been in studio with for maybe two or three weeks. It's been too long, Aiden. It's Ma- been too long. The Massachusetts Marvel, Mr. Zachary Passio. Zach, how Great are to be here this morning. Woke up, had a tough morning, but we're here. We made it. Tough morning. Food has, <laughs> food has been dropped, both raw and cooked. It's just been... Give a little perspective as to how... So how I think we dropped a collective four, 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 egg, four, three and a half eggs, if you consider a cracked egg that's already been discarded of its insides, four, if you consider that. Four eggs have been dropped on the ground Jeez. this morning. It's not, not been good. There you go. Hey, there's only one way to... Two eggs have been eaten. <laughs> there's only one way to attack it. Way to go, Bridget. There's only one way to... Move on, just say way to go, and keep going. And that's what we're doing this morning, live from Johnson Hall, as always, in Marquette Radio Studios. And, you know, we're, we're here to entertain, right? We're here to make you laugh, make you think, maybe at least once each every morning, if we can do that. That's always a good barometer. Kill some brain cells, possibly. Yeah, there's, there's some... Occasionally. But there's some fans out there like like to have fun with their Saturday, right? And uh, I got a special request actually from my mother, who's going back to her old college days. He's going to see, she's going to see my good childhood friend Ryan Yulo and all of them at University of New Hampshire. So shout out to you, and shout out to all the moms who are still reliving their college days back up in New Hampshire. And honestly, we will relive your college days twice over for you guys right here on Games and Grub. How, how does that sound? Sounds great. Absolutely. We'll have we'll have a bunch more, you know, college uh, adults reliving their college days as we're seniors. We'll have our parents visit. Zach just had Nano on the show a couple weeks ago, so we're 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 this studio is almost like a Benjamin Button. Like we just help people help people come back to college, right? Yeah, I mean the studio is just so consistent too. I mean that's what we were saying as we were walking in today. Every day it's the same. You walk in, it's it's work. You're sitting down at the office. It's <laughs> it's every day, Brian. You can show up on any given Saturday. This studio it's gonna look the exact same. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna wake you up a little bit. No matter how late you were up on Friday night, no matter where you went on Friday night, no matter how long it took you to walk back home on Friday night, you come to the studio Saturday at ten twenty eight, ten twenty nine. It's going to be the same thing, and we love this studio. It's we got nice, we got a lot of space. It's pretty private here on 
on Saturday mornings. There's not too many people in Johnston Hall. We don't have people looking looking right. at us through, from the windows. It's it's nice in here. It is nice. It is nice. We are. It's. I feel like the way you described it, we're like the we're like the audio version of the song closing time. Like you have to come home, but you can't stay here. But we're gonna entertain you for at least you know the next ninety minutes this morning. We've got a great show lined up for you, locked and loaded. Andrew Marchand is gonna join us about an and half hour from now. He is uh, one of the most honestly plugged in voices to sports media these days he'll join us at the top of the hour 11 a.m central noon eastern we've also got the debut of zach's zebras for real right zach yep we got it going zach's actually here in the flesh so we'll do zach's zebras coming up as well brian will give us the nfl's juiciest games of the week we've got top five tweets another installment of trivia to go this day in sports edition and much much more so if you want to join us hit up hit us up on the phone lines right now at 414-288-7091 that's 414-288-7091 and on twitter and instagram as well at grub mur way to go bridget so we're start with we'll start i should say with actually the best food we had this week it's it's a lot to choose from brian and zach uh do either of you want to step up to the plate first I'll get it going. So uh, this week, not a lot of great food being had. I guess I guess I did have a lot of food, but something surprised me, Brian and Aiden. So I had mud pie ice cream, or sorry, custard from Cops this week, and there was the other flavor was mint chocolate chip. So first move, just veering off that mainline mint chocolate chip, a little risky, I'd say. But the fact that the mud pie had Oreo bits throughout the ice cream, it felt mm. like it was just going to have on the top. It felt like it was one of those ice creams, custards that it's just topped with something. And it was throughout the ice cream, throughout the custard. It was amazing. That's a great nominate. Cops, it always works for best food of the week, whether it's your burger, whether it's your custard. I know plenty of people. Root beer out, float. Root beer float. People out east, Zach, they cannot wait to try custard when they come here. I think it's the consistency that does it too because you're not getting it out of a freezer that's it's like a frozen brick not like my refrozen ice cream that I left out <laughs> not like that Uncle Chris I didn't eat it he I did, swear I didn't eat it he I did had, throw it away he's I threw definitely it away. listening he's definitely Witness. listening <laughs> best food I had this week was a Shake Shack double smoke burger Ooh. with fries one of the best burger fry combos in like like fast food and Shake Shack's not it's not like fast food like McDonald's or Burger King but it is it's not like necessarily a sit down order like from a, a server um, last time I went to Shake Shack you know I only got a single burger mistake really not enough food you got to get the doubles double smoked burger was delicious the fries crinkle cut fries perfectly salted perfectly uh, perfectly fried up it was it was a good meal it was a good meal to start my week off on Monday Here's my follow-up to Shake Shack. You say it's one of the best burger-fry combos. It's very controversial because the fries are crinkle-cut. Yeah, I, I like them. I, that, I like the crinkle-cut fries. You do like the crinkle-cut fries. Okay. If, if they're done right. I feel like a lot of times if uh, a restaurant or a fast food place has crinkle-cut fries, they might be kind of soggy, maybe not crispy enough. Okay. But if you can get those crinkle-cut fries perfectly crispy, ooh. We'll make we'll delicious. Make a, we should make a drop out of you just saying perfectly crispy right there. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I am a you know self-proclaimed uh, coffee and pastry enthusiast, obviously, and the two put together. That's one of my favorite things in the entire world. 
And usually I don't shout out the the regular dining hall or coffee shop food around Marquette's campus, but the brew the brew cafes on campus have actually been stepping up their muffin game. So that's where I'm going to go this week for best food. They've had a they've had a two-headed monster almost like a like a Dalvin Cook and an Alexander Madison between this double chocolate mint chip muffin and the raspberry chip. I don't know which one is the starter, which one's the handcuff, but take them both in your fantasy team because they were running up the score for me this week having the coffee and pastry that I always have to either start the day or get me through the day. Those two were like two great running backs, man. Always productive. Having the brew back this year has been revolutionary. Unbelievable. It's, ba- it's back in the atrium. I've been to the one at the AMU this year. Do we have twice. one of the highest coffee shops per capita if you consider the brew coffee? Like, we have, no, in Marquette, in Marquette's on five, six I think blocks, most, I we think probably have seven coffee shops. I'd have to do the math on that, but uh, yeah, as far as those brew cafes go, it's all run by Marquette students. Those are sabermetrics pending. <laughs> yeah, sabermetrics. We'll we'll come back with the stat sheet next week. Uh, so that's the best food we had this week. If you want to jump in, maybe give us your best food this week. Or do you like crinkle cut fries? Do you like just the regular string cut? How about a little waffle from Chick Fil A? Four one four two eight eight seven zero nine one. And I know Uncle Chris, if he's not listening yet, he will soon. And hopefully has a good response to Zach coming back from no melted ice cream. So there you go. Let's jump in to the top five tweets of the week, which had a lot to choose from, boys and girls. But it's time to get started. In this radio restaurant. False alarm. We're not doing trivia yet. That's later on in the show, folks. That's not that's radio restaurant saloon of sports talk. That's when Matt comes in and tells us about the trivia. We're not doing that just yet. Now it's time for top five tweets. The best of Twitter this week. It's Games and Grubs top five tweets. There you go, Matt. Why do you have to sway us wrong like that this week? I know Matt. Matt's the voice guy now, but you can't sway us wrong like that. So let's start with number five, boys. Number five comes to us from Matt Nagy. So, ladies and gentlemen, he is a professional. He has the situation under control. He knows what he is doing. Give it, take or us, does he? Take us, take us through this tweet, Brian, because as an NFC North guy, you, you have some feelings about Nagy. A quote, a quote from an interview earlier this week. I think it might have even just been yesterday. Uh, Matt Nagy told uh, the press, we know what we're doing. Simple. We know what we're doing. <laughs> five they, words. They, five simple words. They knew what they were doing last Sunday when they got less than 100 total yards of offense and their rookie quarterback they traded up to get, who is considered to be a dual threat, a running quarterback, didn't leave the pocket in the first half. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> so what's the tweet? The tweet was from... Carlos at evil underscore Carlos six six six. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, for that. <laughs> but he retweeted the uh, the quoted tweet. Uh, we know what we're doing, Matt Nagy. He said, "Me after my third shot." <laughs> <laughs> so this one, I actually had to pick out because originally I thought he was making a golf analogy. 
That's what I was so, thought. That's the first time I read it. That's what I thought, yeah, too. See, so you maybe, guys golf too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe for us golf junkies, we had too much. Uh, no, me after my first my mind. first three shots, I have no idea what I'm doing on the golf course. I feel yeah. like I have more a better sense of what I'm doing when I take three shots at a bar. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one uh, from Matt Castle? This comes to us at number four. So first of all, that's number five. Gallagher has prayed for months and months for this moment. <laughs> so there's number five. Number four. How about this one from Matt Castle? At M underscore Castle 16. And f- just first off, Matt Castle, no blue check mark. The guy went 11-5 and five for the Patriots when Tom Brady tore his ACL. Why can't we get this guy a blue check mark? This, this is his Twitter bio. Retired at NFL player. Active dad and husband. Outdoors enthusiast. Man of the Lord. At NBCS Boston analyst, and we can't get him a blue check mark. And he doesn't mark. have a blue check mark. That's like a. It's a. That you think oh, that he's like a. He's like a high school boy. He's holding up a, a hog and yeah, this profile hog. He's <laughs> <laughs> got glasses on. He's got a bucket hat and he's holding up a twenty pound hog. Actually, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, don't give him a blue check mark. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> he went eleven and five for the Patriots with Tom Brady towards ACL. He had to come in, like you know. Called to the bullpen in the first game right after the 2007 undefeated season, and we can't get this guy a blue check mark. Anyway, Matt Castle, uh, he responds to a tweet from Arif, Arif, ah, excuse me, Arif Asan, who actually covers the Vikings for The Athletic. And Arif t- tweeted out a picture of Matt Castle, who was a guest on Good Morning Football this week on the NFL Network. And Matt Castle just going through his uh, progressions of his take, talking about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on TV. And the screen grab of Matt Castle shows Arif Hassan tweeting, Matt Castle looks like a sitcom dad now. And we'll go tweet this out at GrubMUR just for the visual so you can kind of see what this looks like. Uh, but as far as Matt Castle goes, he actually tweets a great rebuttal to Mr. Arif Hassan, who again covers the Vikings for <laughs> the Athletics, so he's not a, a fan like number five of Carlos. Matt Castle tweeted as a response, I'll take this over the comps to Woody from Toy Story. Do we see Matt Castle being a comp to Woody from Toy Story in this picture? Again, we'll go tweet it out right now at GrubMUR. I like the uh I like what what Hassan said. I think he looks like a sitcom dad. You know what it is? The the shirt. It's the flannel. The flannel. The flannel. Like so. Looking like a Bud Light flannel. can. It literally He's looks like, like a Bud one Light of those can. Bud, Li- Bud Light cans. <laughs> I'll give it to you. So that's Matt Castle looking like a sitcom dad, which it's hard to argue. I, I think another thing that helps is the hairstyle as well. So uh, that's number four of this week's top five tweets. Friendship with the Games and Grub podcast. Number three comes to us from Darren Ravel, who is honestly a treasure trove of information on the Twitter machine. He tweeted this week that on April 1, Culver's joked that a fried cheese curd burger was coming. But actually, given the response, the Midwest chain is actually doing it, putting a deep fried cheese curd on top of its butter burger. So it will be offered for one day only, October 15th, which is actually National Cheese Curd Day. Oh my. Let's go. What is this? What am I looking at right now? <laughs> so it's just a giant cheese curd on a already delicious so butter burger. Is it that or is it just the cheese curd with the bread? No, I think that was, I think the picture on the left that you were looking at, Zach, that is the joke that they post on April 1st. Okay. 
I then, believe to the right is to what's the gonna right happen. Is what will actually happen. Right. I think. Right. I think so, that looks right. So do again, we have to go on October fifteenth. Yeah. Book it, I boys. Think we do. I think we do. We'll go tweet this one out as well at GrubMUR so you can see the visual. The you know lettuce, tomato, mayo, pickles with the patty, and then a curd on top that's shaped like a burger. That's maybe the biggest cheese curd I've ever seen. If that's actual size, boys. I mean. It's 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 a unit of a burger. Darren Ravel giving us really the sports news that we all need these days, or the games and grub news that we all need. So we'll mark our calendars. Yeah, October fifteenth. Let's, let's let's all have a, a cheese curd burger as the games and grub community. Let's get as many people as we can go. <laughs> yeah, go I like and, it. Let's pack some cars. Yeah, get, get out to Culver's. Let's get go. a little convoy going out to Culver's. We'll have to tweet out the Mac location. on some yeah Mac on some cheese curd burgers. We'll have to tweet out a location of which Culver's we'll go to. And it's almost like a little meet and, meet and greet. You can come join us and uh, share a curd burger with us. Even if the line is maybe too long, you have more time to talk to us. So perfect. That's number three. Games and Grub. Number two comes to us from Devin Williams, which is a, is a nominee for funniest story of the entire week in the sports world. We've got a user... Um, well, let's start actually with the thread. Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com, he tweeted the initial news. Devin Williams is being placed on the 10-day injured list with a fractured right hand. He told us he had too much to drink after Sunday celebration, got upset about something, and punched a wall with his pitching hand. He will need surgery. Enter. And then the next line says, If I could take it back, I would. Well, there's the news of Devin Williams from Adam McAlvey. And then you get this user, which is is being nominated for number three of this week's top five tweets. AK Schaff tweeted, On one hand, a World Series would have been nice. On the other hand, Devin Williams officially became a Wisconsin resident on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) So, Zach, you actually went to this game on Sunday. Was it that electric of an atmosphere? I didn't understand it. It was was like they were celebrating a World Series. Milwaukee Milwaukee (laughs) loves their baseball, bro. It was ridiculous. The confetti kept coming down for like five minutes. Well, and they they did was the top open the whole the whole game. Yeah. So the top was open the whole game, and then I just saw like Snapchat stories of it, and like this, it looked like this confetti and streamers and fireworks were going like super high up in the air. It was crazy. It it, it looked like a blast. So you go out and you celebrate after. Okay, have a couple of drinks, enjoy right. yourself a little bit. Now, why are you getting angry? Because you just won your division. You had too much to drink, Zach. I think so you just angry. get angry after you have too much to drink. No, but I agree with Zach though. Why are you punching things? Well, if like you shouldn't, if you're he happy? shouldn't be. Yeah, he, I could he see it be. if it was like a celebratory, like yeah. fist bump into a wall. Yeah, that that makes sense. Maybe that, but I don't understand punching. I've you know tried to punch the wall or do something when you're angry, but not when you're celebrating a division. Th- championship. This reminds me of like when an NBA player like they come off the they come off the court, they're angry and they punch the chair or something. And, yeah, or yep. they throw the chairs and yep. like I've I've heard of guys fracturing their hands. Yeah, from yeah. That. yeah. Which is just comical, but that's it's also in, tough. It's just tough. You want to see a guy mo- compete? Yeah, that's in the heat of the moment. This is not really in the heat of the moment. So, <laughs> Devin Williams, uh, I don't know, what's yeah. your recommendation? <laughs> don't, don't even, don't know, even know what to say to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. I was. I wanted to give him some advice there, and it just. It was just. There's no advice to give to yeah. him. Yeah, that's it. We have to move on after that. 
Way to go, Bridget. <laughs> Number one of this week's top five tweets. Honestly, we, sh- we maybe should be rethinking after that Devin Williams conversation. But I think this still qualifies for number one of the top five tweets. And number one actually comes to us from the AV Club pop culture uh, outlet that actually gives us a news item this week on the top five tweets. And Brian, I know you were super excited. This was actually your nomination. Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren are back for an additional 40 minutes of a director's cut of possibly the greatest movie of all time, Rocky IV. It is called The Ultimate Director's Cut. Long story short, we're getting more Rocky. We're getting more Rocky IV. So, not just Rocky, Rocky Four. Yeah, we're not, it's not it's not the the bad Rockies like Rocky Balboa and Rocky Five. Or I mean, I, I don't know what you think about the other movies, but me and Aiden, we we've kind of shared Rocky as like one of our favorite movie series since our freshman year. Oh my goodness, of I, course. It was just like kind kind of a match match made in heaven in that sense. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so MGM released the new trailer for Rocky Four's significantly longer. Ultimate director's cut. So this week, actually, is, is as we said, it was a loaded nomination for this week's top five tweets. But this news item, you rarely have a, a news item be number one. It's not, I think, it's not even a funny. Tweets. It's not even a funny tweet. It's just it's important. It's important. It was addressed on Twitter, which is why we're releasing it for the top five tweets. And it makes number one because Rocky Four, as you said. Especially, I think Brian and I, we can both agree on this. It's one of the best movies of all time. It brings together nations, literally. It brings together sports and and country and uh, fame and being a friend to someone who has passed. There's so many great layers to Rocky IV that I can't believe we're getting 40, 4-0 new minutes of this. Was Rocky Four the most shredded Sylvester Stallone ever got for a Rocky movie? I think it was. Oh, that's a great question. Did he get more shredded for Rambo? Maybe. 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 I don't know. That's yeah. a good... Uh, you'd have to ask him. We'll get Sylvester Stallone on the show next week uh, to discuss. Anyway, that's number one in the top five tweets. Twitter was spitting out some content this week. Yeah. The lot, ultimate lot director's of important cut. things trending this week. If you want to count Darren Ravel at number three in the top five tweets, giving us the Culver's Curd Burger, I guess we had two news items that were being released on Twitter, which is always an absolute delight. Uh, and again... I think I, there's so many. I'd have to maybe do more of a deep dive on this because I'm ad-libbing. But Rocky Four, the things I just mentioned about what it gave to society. What year was it released? I'm going to guess. Let's play a little game of what year was Rocky Four released. 1980, 1988. Aiden, what do you think? I actually, I'm doing the Ooh, model. you're close. So the answer is actually 1985. You're actually Ooh. really close. So it was, it's right in the heat of pretty much a lot of, you know, yeah, Cold, cold polit- War, cold war yeah. political discourse the between war. the U.S. and the Soviets and the Russian Federation and how much history podcast here. Yeah. Sorry, Soviets. We won. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Rocky kicked uh, Drago's ass. But seriously, 
to have that come back for 40 minutes and, and if it was released from, in 1985 from what i've seen so far the ex- a lot of the extra time not all of it but a lot of it will make the fight the so the actual fight of rocky and dolph at the end Better. You mean Drago? Yeah, Rocky and Drago. Dolph Lundgren. So, Sylvester and Dolph, you know, the boys. Sylvester, Sly, and the Dolph. The boys. Aren't they boys in real life? I think so. I think so. Because they've been in movies since then. Like, uh, what's the... Oh, well, actually, Creed 2, the second yeah, Creed. Yeah, Creed 2, he came back. Adonis Creed, Michael yeah. B. Jordan. He came back, and it was Dolph's son, or technically Drago's son, uh, Victor Drago, against uh, Michael B. Jordan playing Adonis Creed. Yeah. So... I can't say enough good things about the Creed franchise, the Rocky franchise. Movie review coming soon. Yes. We will do an extended review. Mark my words. Mark all of our words. We'll come back and do a deep dive movie review. We'll come up with a funny name for it. Dissecting the next 40 minutes of Rocky Four director's cut. So that's it for this week's top five tweets. Woo, that, that, that may have been our biggest one yet. 414-288-7091. Again, uh, Andrew Marshan scheduled to join us just a few minutes from now. But uh, this week brought you know a lot to us on Twitter, but also in real life because uh, we, haven't done a, we haven't done a Humphrey the Dog report in a while. And Humphrey running up that cliff... Yeah, we, we brought him up to Lion's Den, a little north of the... Yes, we bring him to Lion's Den north, bring him to Seven Bridges to the south. Either way, he's climbing hills. He's doing things that we didn't know were possible. We always say he, he's got, like, extreme Agil- athleticism. Agility, athleticism. Yeah, agility, everything. <laughs> and, like, we say he's, like, he, he could rival the best human athletes on this planet. Oh, yeah. And I, everything. I've never seen a human do the things he does. No, you can't. So how would you describe? Could you give a could you give a comparison of? It, it it begs the question again. What position would he play in the NFL if he could? I'm thinking he's a kick returner, punt returner only. Yeah, like a shifty, and then shifty. But, but then his primary position maybe like a Christian McCaffrey. He's like a cornerback who also returns punts. Okay. Yeah. He you gives think all, he played defense? He's like, a, he's like a prime time. He can stay on your like if yeah. I'm running in a straight line yeah. and I try to. Shake him off. He's on my leg. Plus, I think he's he's snippy enough to be a defensive like a defensive player, and like to be a an aggressive. He's got he's got a aggressive to gref, aggressive yeah. member of like the secondary. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's 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 Richard Sherman. It's uh, it's the Legion of Boom, <laughs> and it's Humphrey. He, he he could be in the Legion of Boom. Let's let's uh, time travel back to 2013 so that. Peyton and the Broncos can be beaten even more in the Super Bowl <laughs> by that Legion Boom defense. Just add Humphrey to the roster. 414-288-7091. Again, that's 414-288-7091. We now welcome on a very, very, very special guest. You know him from his stop at ESPN or his multiple stops at the New York Post, now writing that from there as a senior sports media columnist. He has been all over the whirling sports media news cycle these days, and he joins us this morning here on Games and Grub, Mr. Andrew Marchand. Andrew, it's Aiden and Brian. How are you this morning? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And we actually have to start by, we're actually taping this on a Friday. You just announced yesterday on International Podcast Day your big news about your new podcast. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I didn't know there was a thing called International Podcast Day. That was uh, 
this very special day for people. So everyone out there, you know, belated international uh, podcast day to you. Oh, uh, yeah. So John Oran from the Sports Business Journal and I are starting a podcast. It'll be out every Wednesday. You can subscribe anywhere on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find find your podcast. And, yeah, we're going to break down sports media. It's going to be a little bit different than if you listen to any other sports media podcast in terms of uh, the format. And we'll have some guests, but not as guest-oriented, although we have a pretty big one for the first uh, week next week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hi, Andrew. This is Brian. Um, so, yeah, starting a podcast with John Urand, another uh, pretty um, not- notable guy within the industry of sports media. How, how does that get started? Have you guys had a long-term relationship up until this point? Um, was it your idea? Was it his idea? A little bit of both. Uh, how, how did the whole idea to join, to, uh, join forces and start a podcast, how did that come together? Yeah, absolutely. So, first off, I, I've wanted to start a podcast for a long time, even ESPN, when I covered the Yankees. I pitched uh, doing one on the Yankees, and it's a while back now. Um, and then, you know, with media, uh, it's something I, I, I've, I've wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, when I was talking to my um, bosses about a little while ago, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about it. And then uh, the two, we kind of got the business level, the executives, they were talking between each other, and they broached it, and my boss asked me if I what I thought about working with John. I thought, yeah, he's, he's, I've known him for a long time. He's a great guy and does a really outstanding job there. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, so then it came together. It takes a long time. I will tell you uh, to get to a name uh, when you're dealing with lawyers, I, I don't know. I don't even want to get into fully, but some of the names that seem pretty uh, benign that we weren't allowed to use because of a, uh, copyright infringement uh, issues that they were concerned about. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know exactly, but we ended up with the name that's just our names in the sports media podcast, which is fine as, as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a process. It hasn't just been throwing it together. So hopefully uh, it has some success. I think we're going to have fun doing it at, at, at the least. Andrew Marsha and our guest this morning. Go check out that new podcast. Like you said, it'll be available everywhere with John Arand. Let's start with the Manning cast because you've been all over this on your column on the New York Post, writing basically a, a weekly column after these first few weeks in the ESPN booth. Are they are they getting better in your eyes? I think they, they have. I think after the first five minutes, they've really found a groove. That first five minutes, I was a little rough. I think Peyton... He likes to plan. He came out a little bit too quick out of the shoot, uh, especially with they had the whiteboard and he's diagramming a play and they're showing him instead of the game. I don't think anybody wants that. You want to hear what they have to say and then also have your eyes on what's going on on the field because there's a game uh, going on. So after that first fight, they had the thing with the helmet, which again was fine. Both those things are fine, but they're better for the second quarter or later in the game and a blowout maybe. Uh, because you know, they're trying to pitch it and, and make it this is hanging out at a bar with you know two legendary quarterbacks, one who's arguably the best of all time. Uh, we can, I'm not going get, to get, get into that full argument with Tom Brady. I know everyone's presumed <laughs> Brady's had the best career of all time. I'll still go Dan Marino, but that's uh, probably before this time. But uh, the uh, bottom line is uh, he's one of the greats, of course. And so, and, and Eli's 
a legend in New Yorkers do Super Bowls. So, but it's supposed to be we're hanging out with them. And when you hang out with someone, you guys meet somebody, do you really, when someone comes on a little too strong at the beginning, if you went to a bar, it's just like, let me tell you 15 jokes. You just met them. It's like, can I just understand where you're from, who you are, before we... Uh, where you overdo it. So I think they overdid a little bit. But then since then, they focus more on football. We get to hear their knowledge, of course, is at a supreme level, and it's been very good. Andrew, over at ESPN, we don't really know what's going on there currently, uh, but uh, one of our favorite um, sports media uh, journalists, media personnel, uh, Katie Nolan, she recently tweeted out earlier this week that her time at ESPN was done a few weeks ago. Uh, Do you have any idea maybe what happened or where she might be going from here? Uh, Any thoughts on Katie Nolan? Well, that marriage didn't really work very well. She got paid a lot, so it worked out well for her. Good for her. Um, but they just never really could figure out how to use Katie Nolan to be effective. And I think this is constantly an issue at ESPN because her style is kind of to be edgy a little bit, to be funny, sarcastic. Uh, and ESPN, at the end of the day, is a Disney company. Uh, and so they're not going to go as far as, not that she wanted to be launched or anything like that. I'm not implying that at all. But they're just not going to um, – I think it's just difficult there. There's just places you can't go that if you do a podcast or if you're just on another platform where you can go, and maybe that will work out better for her. Um, you know, they have made strides, and they'll tell me – and they're correct. If you look at their social handles, they have a lot of people. I mean, it's been so humongous that we sometimes, I think, uh, downgrade how big they are, how impactful they are with every other company from Barstool, et cetera. And then you look at ESPN's impact. But it's still, at the end of the day, a TV company at its core right now. Now they're trying to obviously move into um, the digital space more, the ESPN Plus, and they've been pretty successful thus far doing that. But she wasn't. She's not really a TV person, or at least they didn't find this for her. So that wasn't a great fit. Where will she end up? I, mean, I think I can see the usual suspects. That, um, you know, Metal Art, um, Spotify, those type of places. I don't think she'll be able to. I would doubt. You never know. I mean, again, if you put a couple things together. Um, She'll be able to command maybe what you got at ESPN, uh, but maybe. Uh, but it, it's, I guess, yeah. She, I, I don't know if she's a a lead on one of these shows. She, or she needs to be kind of part of an ensemble. It seems more to me than to be a lead. It's hard to lead these shows, um, but uh, but she she has talent, no doubt. One person that has survived the ESPN string of layoffs is obviously Stephen A. Smith. And it seems like by your reporting and a bunch of others that he's he's running a lot of the programming these days. What do you see the future with, obviously, his show first take and his overall sort of future at ESPN? He's gotten a franchise player now. Um, he's, if you have to say who's the most powerful on-air person uh, at ESPN, it's Stephen A. Um, and it usually is the opinion people who have the most power because uh, they are creating content. They're not commenting on content. 
So, for example, a football game where the game is the uh, number one uh, reason people tune in. Now, there's value. Don't get me wrong. A lot of value doing it well, being a good play-by-play person and analyst. That said, uh, if first take, um, could you replace Stephen A. Smith? Yeah, you could replace Stephen A. Smith. There's someone out there who could do the job uh, near to as well as he does in terms of uh, being entertaining and um, being boisterous. But do you know you could re- like who you replace him with? How long would that take? What would that cost? And so uh, he has an important place in their sphere, and uh, he's at a point in his career where he can use that influence, uh, and, and he did. You know, Max Kellerman. Uh, he got him removed from that show, and so um, that's a decision he 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 made and, and was successful in doing that. When you do that, the spotlight becomes a little bit brighter on you. Um, he, he'll be fun, I would think, but um, but the uh, the attention is definitely on Stephen A. And he makes a lot of noise. He's in the he's a, you know, he is the he's in a lot of the and then that, those TV shows are because of how Twitter works and this the daily opinions. But uh, he's in the middle of everything. And, and the thing about those shows that you know, people should always understand, not that these people know more really or are really so um, uh, insightful. It's more of their provocateurs and, and entertaining. If, again, and people can have different opinions if Stephen A is entertaining or not because this is all subjective <laughs> who's entertaining or not. But he definitely... Um, he definitely gets attention, and that's what you know. The Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless, the Stephen A. Smith, uh, those people—they're in the attention business. And the thing to note about the whole Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman breakup is they couldn't even get one person to fill Max's uh, Max's role. They have a rotating cast of characters now, including our favorite tight end Tim Tebow. Have you gotten a chance to watch the Tim Tebow versus Stephen A. on first take? Yeah, I haven't watched that one now. I saw a little bit of that. I didn't, I got to be honest, I'm not a, watching first take every day. I, got, I, I watch it sometimes. I mean, it's not, sometimes maybe it's on the background. I, I'll watch a clip here that comes on social. I just can't. I, I watch. Like, I, I check out everything, but I just can't. Just It's not for me. I just that and all the, like, sports radio for me. I listen a lot. But that, if I, like, I, again, I have, this is an amazing job. I'm so fortunate. So I'm not, like, it's not, not a complaint. But those couple are, are things I don't think, if I wasn't doing this, I would tune in very much, if at all, um, just because, I don't know, I like really informed uh, opinion or informed uh, things to listen to. And some people are, and some people have expertise in certain subjects, but not in all subjects. So, uh, I can find some of those shows. I don't care if you think LeBron is better than Jordan or Jordan's better than LeBron. They're both. If you don't think you're, they're both great, you're crazy, right? And, and there's no way to prove who's better. I have my opinion, but it doesn't. For me, it doesn't matter. I couldn't ever get so like crazy about uh, if you didn't think if you said LeBron's better. I think Jordan's better. Right? If you said LeBron's better, it's like okay, I can see that. There's there are reasons to say. LeBron is better, uh, and then there's there's reason to say Jordan's better. But for me, I just don't care enough about who, who, what somebody thinks or uh, even what I think about who's better. It's, it's also impossible to prove. 
Andrew Marsh. I end here on Games and Grub. Uh, two weeks ago, we watched a quite the unlikely duo in the booth on Sunday. It was a Arizona Cardinals versus the Minnesota Vikings football game, and we had Gus Johnson and Akib Talib in the booth. We were quite shocked to see such an unlikely duo. Did you get a watch at Keep Tlaib in the booth? What do you think about this pairing? Is there any potential with these guys in the future? So I think it's a... Um, did they have potential? Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing NFL games, so that's potential. They'd be the number one team. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but does it add a little buzz? I and mean, Gus has a knack for getting... Um, you know, having great plays happen in front of him, and he does uh, get very excited, and people like that, and that's good. Uh, to leave, you know, the funny thing is, I think like Gus has a certain style that works um, for him. I don't know if I think, and, but he's kind of a star a lot of times, and I feel like to leave needs. I, I could see to leave with more of a straight man. Um, maybe working a little bit better uh, and let and letting to leave be the star. So um, it's a. Uh, um, but look, here's the thing. This is the you know like the six seventh team on Fox. They're not doing all the weeks to get the buzz they're getting. That's good for Fox. Um, and you know, social loves it. Uh, I'm sure uh, there's others who don't like it as much. Uh, but. Uh, hey, you, you, you want to hear new voices. You want it to sound... Uh, I mean, Gus has been around forever. I'm not, he's not a new voice, of course. But I'm about to leave here. Um, and so, uh, it's... It's a it's a different it's it's a different sound. I just wonder how Talib would sound if he was with more. He, and last year he was a little bit with more of a straight man. I, I think that dynamic for him, not that the team doesn't work, just for him might be a little bit even better than you know Gus is kind of the star in a lot of respects when he's doing the games. Couple more here with Andrew Marshand. Let's get to this Seth Wickersham salacious Patriots book that's set to come out next month. As you're hearing this, it's Patriots Bucks week, and they've released some of the details, obviously with with perfect marketing. How do you view you know Wickersham as a as an author, as a journalist? Have you had the chance to to catch up on that information? Yeah, so um, I think he seems like he's pretty well connected. He's been he and my colleague. You know, Connor, who wrote a book about Belichick, they've been all over uh, kind of that Brady, you know, breakup. Maybe there are a couple others, I'm probably forgetting one or two others who have been on top of that, that, you know, this was coming and people kind of pursued it and they denied it that one year where they, that last year they stayed together. Um, so he seems well connected. Um, and, uh, yeah, these books are interesting. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue with these guys. I'm like Belichick's denial the other day of, um, what was the report that Seth had in there that, uh, Belichick denied. I forgot what the exact thing was, but I don't know. Oh, that, uh, that Brady wanted to meet to say goodbye in person and Belichick said no. Um, now Belichick acted as if that didn't happen at all. Uh, and perhaps there's some semantics of, you know, maybe Belichick was away, maybe the reasoning, but I don't think, um, I have, I would go with the writer there that it's correct information. Uh, you know, Belichick is always going to play everything down. He's not going to explain anything. That's his deal. 
um, that, that he and he's won, so he's able to act like a jerk to media. Um, and so, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, um, and uh, I'm sure it's well reported. Last big one for me, again, talking to Andrew Marchand, the big name that has circled the sports media sort of circus in the last few months, especially starting with football season, is Drew Brees and his, you know, role in the SNF, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say Sunday Night Football, but now Football Night in America doing studio spots there on the desk. Is he, is it your opinion that he'll ultimately be next in line for that color job behind Chris Collinsworth? I think he very well could be. I, I think it will depend on how well he does. Uh, kind of giving him a training ground in the Notre Dame game. Uh, and then I could see him maybe getting an NFL game here or there um, uh, to start and doing the studio. Um, so, yeah, I think when you look at what NBC has done historically, I mean, they're going to replace Al Michaels next year with Mike Tirico. They like to kind of get a little bit ahead of it. They've tried this a number of times before, sometimes with success, sometimes without. Um, it's awkward because you're bringing somebody in to replace somebody. That said, I would say next year, I still think it's probably Collinsworth. Uh, two, three years down the road, I think they could make uh, a change. I think that's very possible uh, that they do that. Um, so... To answer your question, it's going to depend, though. I, they're doing it a little bit differently, right? Uh, Romo came in, and CBS put him in that number one booth with Nance, and it was a success. ESPN tried the same thing with Jason Witten, over McFarlane, uh, inexperienced booth, wasn't successful. Uh, NBC is going to take a breeze and and try to develop him a little bit more slowly, and not that Notre Dame's not exactly uh, you know, local access television. It's Notre Dame, so I'm not trying to make light of that. But it's not the NFL. It's not Sunday Night Football and being in that uh, primetime game right away. So, um, yeah, so I, to answer your original question, I, I think that very well could happen. I think it will depend somewhat on how Breeze does and how he's evaluated. I watched his first game. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing. Uh, I did not watch. I taped the second game. Did not watch it. Um, but uh, um, I don't know. The thing for me with him, um, and I think it's hard with you don't cover a guy. You're not down at least in the market or fan of the team, and you're watching all his interviews. I don't know if he has that personality that maybe cuts through. I obviously he knows how to play quarterback and, and describe that. I, I think he struggled his first week in terms of um, in terms of. It was kind of odd and saying, you know, obviously they wanted him to uh, tell you what the, what the quarterback's looking, and he's a little slow on that. Maybe that's a transition he's used to the pro game as compared to college, but I felt he just wasn't on top of it, getting in and getting out as quick as you need to. And that, those are fundamentals that aren't easy. People just think you just go in the booth and it's simple. And generally speaking, it's not. It's not to learn. One last one for Andrew Marchand this morning. What is the number one storyline in the week four of the NFL to look out for this weekend? Um, well, I think you have to start with Brady uh, going back to New England, um, which 
So I'm not a huge rating person in terms of caring that much about the ring. But that is going to be a humongous number. I can't wait till it's over. I've had enough of hearing about um, <laughs> but, you know, I want to watch the game, but they start to hear about Brady and, uh, um, and the box and all that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the number one story about it, Mile. Uh, and um, I mean, she's going to have all the stops out. That, you know, that's a marquee event. That's a, that's a Super Bowl level, of course. But you know, will 25 million people watch that? Yeah, I think there's a good chance that you're going to see a humongous number uh, for that game. And uh, I, I can see that. Um, it's just a memorable game for me as a kid. Um, the undefeated Bears came into Miami. Uh, they're like 11 and 0 to play Marino and the Dolphins. Of course, the Dolphins were the only team to go 17 and 0 back in '72, and that was the spotlight game. Marino just tore them apart. It's just a memorable uh, prime time regular season game. I think that this is in that um, sphere of all time prime time. Gotta watch games. I'm trying to think of others. There aren't that many. I guess Peyton, I don't know if that, that probably was a prime time game when Peyton went back to Indianapolis. To me, that didn't have the same allure. I don't know why. Maybe it's my Eastern bias against the Midwest. I don't know. <laughs> but um, it didn't seem like, I don't remember that being as crazy as this. Uh, maybe I was covering Yankees, so I didn't pay as much attention. I don't know. But this seems much bigger than that. Um, I'm trying to think of other games that really are in that realm, but this is definitely special. Well, Andrew, we appreciate you joining us. Again, check out his new podcast coming out just announced this week, and so it's perfect timing to, to have him here on Games and Grub. We appreciate all his insight, and go check out his column at the New York Post and, again, his new podcast, and follow him on Twitter at Andrew Marchand. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on, guys, and best of luck to you guys. Sure thing. Andrew Marshan joining us this morning here on the show. Great interview. He had a bunch to say about a lot of stuff that you'll see in a lot of football booths this upcoming season, as well as just greater sports media news. And I'm really excited for his podcast with John Arand, which really I think we'll touch on. Obviously, there hasn't been an episode yet, but that's why it was perfect timing to have him on because he'll bring the heat with, as he said, in his words, quote, a pretty big guest for the first week. Who knows who that will be? Yeah, Marchand and Arand definitely getting added to the podcast rotation. <laughs> so there you go. That's Andrew Marchand joining us. Come join us on the phone lines as well. You can join us at 414-288-7091. Again, that's 414-288-7091. And you can get us on Twitter as well and Instagram at GrubMUR. But it is time for the long-awaited debut of Zach's Zebras with its production and with Mr. Passios actually in the building. I do love a nice referee. And now, it's time to hear from the officiating aficionado. Here is Zach's Zebras. Oh, Matt, Matt is way too kind with that intro right there. Aiden, uh, Aiden, and when we were brainstorming that intro, 
That is exactly what I wanted. No, and I'm gonna, I'm so gonna hold on to you. We're gonna w let that sit and let it Just, soak in because yeah. we got a caller on oh, right now. Man. So we will get to Zach Zebras after this. Caller, you're on the air. What's up, Aiden? Hey, doing, it's buddy? Uncle Chris. Uncle Chris is back. How you doing? I'm good. I only have I don't have much time because I'm walking out the door to have lunch with uh, two of your cousins today. So really, um, yeah, I'm at Providence College for homecoming weekend. Oh, okay. And any uh, darties today? In, <laughs> kegs and uh, eggs. I wouldn't say kegs and eggs, but I think there's going to be some stuff going on pretty soon. So, uh, okay. I don't know. I'm just along for the ride on this one, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, your cousin Kevin is here as well. So we're going to meet him out for lunch just now and then we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, there could, there'll, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be some, uh, daytime activities running around here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so question, um, do you put any, well, who do you like in the game tonight? First of all, it, with seven with a seven point spread, I'm starting to lean to a little bit towards the Pats because of all the injuries that I'm hearing from Tampa Bay. I was going to say, what do you think about that? So you're talking about tomorrow night's NFL uh, Pats. I meant tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's game. That Pats. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if it's been covered enough. So the line. <laughs> the, line the line is seven. I think. The line's now moved to seven. I think the it started the week at uh, six and a half for Tampa. So the money is clearly coming in more on Tampa to win the game by more than a touchdown. I'm, it's it's hard to touch Patriot games for me as a fan with lines. I did the first week with uh, with Hatton's hat trick. I actually picked the Dolphins spread and they actually won the game. But this game is an absolute wild card to me in terms of the spread. I, I can't really give a you know prediction on. As an outside fan, uh, no, Bill Belichick does not have anything rolled up his sleeve that is going <laughs> to be an answer to Tom Brady yeah. in that Tampa Bay offense. Listen to Brian. Mac Jones isn't going to be okay. able. To, Mac Jones just isn't going to be able to keep up with the. Tampa Bay offense on with the Patriots offense so if you just like think about it like that in my eyes I think Tampa Bay is probably going to win by two touchdowns if, if two guys two can, touchdowns two wow I would say double blowout. digits I think from, double from digits what, is a fair from what we've seen so far from the Patriots if nothing. two guys can drown out noise as much as Bill Belichick and Tom Brady though you don't think it can be closer than that I, I would say double digits but I, I do think Tampa is, is coming out of here with a win especially after a loss last so, week so here's a good prop bet for you, too, that I heard on the drive up here. Um, the over-under, I think, on Tom Brady's rushing yards is half a yard. Over. Oh, over. A, Go yeah, for that, it. That's a, that's a great prop. We've watched Brady for too long. No, I see a couple of sacks in his uh, future. <laughs> and guess what? What happens if he kneels down towards the end of the game? Yeah, that negative count? yards. So yeah, it does. If he's a two-touchdown game and he's kneeling down at, towards the end of the game, he's not going to go over. That would that yeah. would entail him having the ball at the end, though. You would say maybe he gets, yeah. And and I don't think it's going to be a blowout to where he potentially does this, but gets benched at the end of the game for the for the backup. Wow, you're no anticipating way. something. No way. There. <laughs> no way. Never have. He's not coming out of that game at all. It is in, it no is in Foxborough. This is, as Andrew Marshan just told us on the show, this is probably the biggest game that. You know, we've seen the NFL in maybe the last five or ten years, just with Brady's return to Foxborough, maybe 25 million people, he just said, will be watching. And just from Brady's yeah. competitive drive, 
he ain't coming out of that game. I agree. No, he's not coming out of the game. If he has a chance to throw for 500 yards, he's going to throw for 500 yards. But right? again, we can't. I, mean, I just, can't be. I can't be objective because the Patriots are that Sunday night home underdog. But at the same time, uh, just on paper, as a as a sports talk host, I can't be objective because of you know my deep rooted fandom. Fair enough. And uh, what about today, Bama? Bama, Ole Miss. Yeah, so this is a great SEC slate this weekend. Bama and Ole Miss and also uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas uh, in the college football weekend as well. So it's a great uh, lineup for college football. Uh, Bama, Ole Miss is the return of uh, Nick Saban versus Lane Kiffin. Uh, Zach, I'll defer to you here. Are you a Lane Kiffin fan? Do you think he actually has the the guts to keep building a program? I want Ole Miss, Ole Miss, I want Ole Miss to hold on, but I don't think... <laughs> I don't think it happens. Alabama. Yeah, I mean it, it's in Tuscaloosa. I don't. I don't see him coming out with a W. Yeah, this is a game. Where, this is a classic game where you think the team that Bama's playing has a chance, and then they probably just get <laughs> exactly. their doors blown off early, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh God, that's right, we can't play with Alabama." I forgot. I think Bama, Bama, fifty to fifty to twenty. Fifty to 20. time after okay. time, Uncle Chris. Time after time. There we go. Time after time, it happens all right. It happens all the time. Lastly, do the Red Sox make the playoffs? Yes, I've been I've been sweating out this pennant race as much as I mean. Full disclosure, we were out uh, at the bar last night, and I had to watch the Sports Center package to see if the Yankees lost, and they did. Thankfully yeah. to the Rays. So Yankees are one up on the first wild card position. Red Sox uh, are up by a half game now on Seattle for that second spot. I think going to Washington this weekend, playing the Nationals for the Red Sox, they got two more by the end of this weekend to keep winning and hopefully secure that second spot. And I will think it, I, I do think it's going to be Red Sox Yankees. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's a chance the Sox can, can catch and maybe because they win the tiebreaker against the Yankees. If, um, if it ends up in a tie, so they could end up playing at home. That's a great point. And I think the Rays don't want. I think the Rays hate the Yankees enough, where they actually don't want them. They, you know, they don't want to see them. They, they, they will play it out. So I think this, they have a shot, but got to win today. We'll see what happens. Anyway, listen, I got to run out the door. Take take your uh, two cousins to lunch and start the start the darty. I guess I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right, we'll say hi to him for me, Uncle Chris. We uh, we always right. appreciate it. See you guys. All right, there he goes, Uncle Chris, the longtime legend of the show. Big college football weekend, and he just reminded me, big uh, – or actually, editor's note real quick. It's t- Arkansas-Georgia, not Arkansas-A&M, uh, which will be a great weekend for the I SEC. think he missed, he missed the biggest game of this college football weekend. Now, <laughs> and it's happening in a couple hours down in uh, South Bend. That's right. Notre Dame taking on Cincinnati, 9 versus 7. Jack Cohn – Probable in the starting lineup. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, Drew Pine comes in and shows up like he did last week. But are you rooting for a Jack? Real quick, are you rooting for a non-Jack Cohen game? No, I just love to see Drew Pine sling it like he did down in uh, Soldier Field. Okay. It. Um, back to Zach Zebras. Can we go? Should we play it again? Or no, 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 no. We we're we're going to run into it. If anyone's, anyone's going to break go. it up, I'm happy Chris did. <laughs> Uncle Chris did. Yeah, seriously. So my Zach we'll Zebra pick of this week is going to be in a game last Sunday in the NFL. The Jaguars were taking on the Cardinals. And in the first quarter of the game, a Jaguars punt was hit by a referee's flag for an illegal block. 
and the returner, Rondell Moore, muffed the punt. Do you want to hear how it sounded on TV? Go for it. So here's Gus Johnson, the aforementioned Gus Johnson, today on Games and Grub. And Cliff Kingsbury, you'll hear after the game, with a soundbite for the ages. Inside his own 20, Rondale Moore, folks, this kid is electric. Watch out for him. High, spiraling punt. And it is Moffed. Can the Jacks pick it up? Flag on the play. But it, it looked like kind of like the Twilight Zone, like you had it, and then all of a sudden it, he didn't have it. And uh, so I didn't know that it occurred, but you would think that maybe we can adjust that rule because it seems quite unfair that, that we would lose the ball if the ref happens to hit it. I think the ref should probably be ejected at that point. <laughs> so that's Cliff Kingsbury. Zach, take it away. Are you serious? Are you serious? Is this a joke? You want to eject the ref because he's doing his job throwing the flag for the illegal block in the play. Given. He muffed the punt. All right. Cardinals go on to win that game and Cliff Kingsbury is still crying about it after the game. What's going on here? Seriously. Every every play matters, Zach. If you lose a punt like that, it goes the other team. So what do you want to see happen next week? You want to see them eject that referee if it no, so happens? All right, now I'm going to put put you in a scenario, Brian. Punt it again. I'm punting the ball. <laughs> you want to punt it again? Yeah. Second, no, that's just punt. how the game works. Second punt. I'm punting a ball, and you Zach, you're standing, have a chance you're to hit the ball a, with the flag. You have the chance to hit it with the flag. It's hard. Could you do it? No. Probably not. Is but, it going to happen again? But okay, think about this: the referees are standing on a giant field. They, like, yes, the players take the players take thing. up a lot of space. No, you you can't. But you don't have to throw it right above Rondell Moore's head right before he's about to catch the you're ball. You're focusing on the play. It's not like you're trying to hit the ball. It's not like you're trying to hit anything. You're just throwing that flag to indicate a foul on the play, and that's what happened. Ref was doing the right job. We're not going to eject him. We're going to eject Cliff Kingsbury for being a crybaby. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but is this flag going in a museum is my question. (laughs) The biggest shock about this play to me was how, like, hard the flag hit the ball. So there, have, with, you ever, some, have you ever seen a... It, yeah, there's a, like, there's something in them, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. a little ball, so it can still have Yeah, but flight. it like, that, the football just changed directions. And like, punts come in fast, so it's like, he, he hit it pretty hard. And Gus like Johnson's call there was beautiful, a spiraling punt coming he, down. He is just a national treasure, isn't he? I yeah. mean, these NFL games, he's been doing college for most of his career, at least since we've been watching for, for my lifetime. And Marshawn talked about him and Tlaib. We watched, we watched that call... Uh, with the Vikings yes. game a couple weeks ago, last week actually, and that was I. We all enjoyed Akib Talib on the call. Enjoyed <laughs> is a is an overstatement, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's just the the anti stereotypical color man because the biggest part of it he is he's a former cornerback, so you're not getting the former quarter quarterback that a lot of guys are these days. We just talked about Drew Brees with Andrew Marchand, Peyton Manning. Uh, you know Trent Green, Tony Romo. It's a Troy different Aikman. perspective from the backfield. How many color analysts on TV do you see these days are quarterbacks with a Q, and then Akeem Talib comes in as a corner with that defensive perspective, and it's just a total wild card. Completely off the rails here, but I was playing intramural soccer last week, and I saw <laughs> soccer from a yeah. different point of view, standing Maybe. behind everyone as the goalie. Zach, Zach was goalie, and like halfway through the game, he goes. Yo, I see this in like a totally different way. Like I, I like how I can see everybody like moving around from way back here. I mean, it, no, it looks there like you you're drawing up plays from behind, just like a keep to leap, seeing it in his backfield, and just like 
Brady and all those great quarterbacks are seeing it from their perspective way back there with everyone in front. So that's Zach Zebra's getting off to a hot start. I mean, that was as hot as hot can get. So it may be a weekly occurrence. Yeah, so look out for the most questionable referee plays in sports each week, and we will try to hit the most questionable, the most egregious, the most Yeah, I don't know if I told you my, my most egregious referee incident that ever happened. I was refing a uh, Barker basketball youth league <laughs> game, probably like sixth graders, and I the other referee didn't make it to the game because there was so much snow outside. He let me know I could start the game. I'd never refed a, a game alone. We were in a pretty small gym, and I was running up and down the court in the middle, and I ran over a little sixth grader. You did just not. like knocked him on his butt. You did not. That's ran him tough. over, stopped the game. Like he went out, kind of crying. Oh I was, I felt awful. It happened though. <laughs> when, I, when I played hockey as a kid, it was like in a clinic, and one of the coaches, like the like big adult coach, I was like a little kid because must have been like six years old not sixth grade six years old Ugh. and he's he's like he's moving backwards i just didn't see him he just ran me over <laughs> I, I had to leave the ice for a small period of time <laughs> so it happens it happens yeah. zach zebra's coming back next week we'll ca- get it hot yeah the only uh 414-288-7091 the only weird ref story i have that i guess is not even close is i was stealing second base once in a little league game and the ball I think hit me in the butt, hit me in the rear as the <laughs> as the catcher threw it down to second base. And I, I think I was sliding in or maybe it was a standing steal because I was that fast, like Ricky Henderson. <laughs> and it just catches me right in the backside. And is that is that out? No. No. So the back so the so, so the umpire at second, they call time or whatever. It didn't really hurt. But uh, the ump at the end says, oh, tough cookies. <laughs> and that was the first time I heard tough cookies. I like cookies. tough cookie. That's, that's, that's the first time I'd heard favorite. it in my entire life. I like tough cookies. That's a great line. Didn't you guys run a, didn't you guys run a segment, tough cookie of the week? Where you hot said cook, hot cookie of the week, hot cookie, oh, the hot cookie, cookie of the week. week. I thought it was tough cookie. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, that but that's coming up then. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe hot and tough cookie will be coming up. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's some potential. We're we're live producing on the air here. Four one four two eight eight seven zero nine one. Again, that's four one four two eight eight seven zero nine one. It's time to talk some football. We have wasted too much time, and we're gonna get to Brian Gallagher's juicy games. Cue the music. Brian, let's start with your aforementioned Minnesota Vikings because I have a soundbite from one of the most downloaded podcasts of all time, the Bill Simmons podcast. And Mr. Simmons is quite high on your football team. Listen, I'm just telling you and the and the listeners, I will, be ve- I will be betting the Vikings this week. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say stay away. No, I, I believe in that Vikings team. Mm. I think they're good. I think they can move the ball. The fact that Cook didn't play and Cook was so awesome the, the in week two and doesn't play week three, they just put Madison in. He's Madison's like 95% fine. is good. Mm-hmm. I like Osgood as a third receiver. They just have, even though he didn't do much today, but they, they just have weapons. And Cousins looks really comfortable. It looks like they can block for him this year. So that's after their week three win against the Seahawks. They're getting the Browns this week, Brian. Take it away. Yeah, uh, we are, we're in the noon slate, so uh, nice and early, get a wake up and just roll out of bed watch some football it's gonna be a good day so um 
Yeah, the, the Browns are 2-1. and one, Vikings are 1-2. and two. I oh, like Bill Simmons. I agree. I think the Vikings are going to come out with a W. I think it's going to even up the records. It'll be 2-2 two and two for both teams at the end of the week. Like he said, last week, Dalvin Cook was out. Offense didn't miss a step. Alexander Madison, he looks the same. Jacked, dreads, runs fast, runs hard. We, we didn't miss a step. It was... Didn't it, miss a step. It was... It was surprising to see how well we were blocking for Kirk because he had time. And, I, and I've always said if, if we can buy Kirk time, he'll make the right passes. It's when we can't buy him the time that he starts throwing it into, into the defense's hands and it starts getting tipped and he starts letting up ugly, ugly sacks. But I think this, this, this is going to be an over game. I don't even know what the over-under line is. Okay. This is going to be an over game. It's a shootout. The Vikings defense is not that good this year. It's our secondary is still just Pat, Pat Peterson has helped uh, compared to last year when we just had like rookies back there, but our, our defense is still letting up a lot of points. We did find a way to stop the Seattle Seahawks last week, but I think the Browns have a little bit more firepower on offense than the Seahawks, so I do think it'll be a shootout, maybe like a, a 30 to 24 game, something like that. Um, bang the over on this one. I'd agree. That's a great prop bet uncle chris just talked about brady uh 0.5 rush yards i think the over in that browns vikings is really tasty because you got two good offenses that have you know performed these next few weeks or these first few weeks of the season i should say baker mayfield and kirk cousins have both performed really over their potential so that's a juicy game to look for Obviously, the second we have to talk about is Bucks pats We talked about it with Andrew Marchand from New York Post. We talked about that great prop bet as well. Uh, it's the return of Brady to Foxborough, blah, blah, blah. Seth Wickersham, blah, blah, blah. Uh, real quick on that book, because we didn't get to it on air. The book, It's Better to Be Feared, Telling the Patriots Dynasty, is you know set to be released next month. And is the information all true in that book? Again, as a Patriot fan, I'd say no. There was based on no interviews with Brady, Belichick, and Kraft for the book. None of them, all of them declined. Although it was referenced on past interviews with Wickersham that each of the three did from the past 20 years. So 20 years, that's a long, long, long sample size, which, you know, there's bound to be some truth in there from the past 20 years. But at the Are same you going to read the book? If I make time for it, uh, it I got to see how many audiobooks it is. I could audiobook it if he voiceovers it. You never know. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of a skeptic of Seth Wickersham's reporting, and it, maybe I shouldn't be, but he's one of these guys that gets into the salacious details in the locker room, uh, you know, Brady versus Belichick versus Kraft, the Palace coup. Uh, he wanted to break up the Browns with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. He's talked about, uh, he's done pieces on the Colts before, a big sort of long form. So there's a lot of press going into this week with Wickersham as one example. Tom Brady Sr. as another example. He's blasting the media. Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's TB12 trainer. He's blasting Belichick. None of these people are unbiased sources, folks. That's why you come to us for a Patriots fan who is also a biased source. <laughs> so we're not we're not unbiased either. Uh, so as far as our perspective goes, we talked about it with Uncle Chris. It's a tough game for me to see the Pats as a Sunday night home underdog from what I've lived for the past 20 years. But I think you got to throw all numbers out the window. It's going to be emotions. It's going to be Brady. It's going to be Belichick. It's going to be Kraft crying in the stands with Bon Jovi in the owner's box. And I have zero prediction. 
I, I've also seen a, I forget the exact numbers of the statistic, but Tom Brady does not lose two games in a row yep. very often. He lost last week to the Rams, who is another juicy game of the week, which we will get to next. Oh, yeah. But they lost last week to the Rams, who are a fine football football team right now. Don't don't get me wrong. That's a it's an okay loss. But he's not going to lose twice in a row against a Patriots team that is, I mean, man for man, probably can't match up with the Bucks. So look look for uh, Buccaneers. What did I say? Two touchdowns? Two touchdowns might be kind of severe. I think you said two touchdowns. Yeah, over Chris. two I touchdowns might digits. be severe, but... As a, as a, you know, trying to be a journalistic sports talk host, that's what I would say if you if you had to put a gun to my head to bet the game. All right, moving on to the next game of the week. We have the Cardinals are traveling to Los Angeles to play the Rams. This is at the 3 o'clock time slot. Kyler Murray has been tearing it up this year with that, with that Cardinals squad. Oh, man. But so has Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Both teams sit at 3-0 and in the absolutely stacked... NFC West. Aiden, who do you see coming out with the W in this game? You know what? The line for this game went down. It, w- it originally started at minus six for LA, and money is actually coming in on Arizona, so it went down to minus four last time that I checked uh, for LA. So money came in on the Cardinals, and if the line stayed at six, this would have been one of my three picks of the Hatton's hat trick. I love the Cardinals. It is maybe my favorite team, most fun team to watch in the NFL because of Zach's favorite coach, Cliff Kingsbury, Math- Kyler Murray. Who's your – you love Cliff Kingsbury. Matthew right Stafford, now. two-time NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Who's the other quarterback to take it away from him one of those weeks? Kyler Murray. Ah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great. So we got two high-powered offenses going up against each other. The first-ranked scoring offense in the entire NFL against the third. We were talking about scoring in the in the Vikings game. I mean, if yeah, this, oh, yeah. Kyler this, Murray can sling three hundred yards out of the ball. And I mean, just just like when the Vikings play the Cardinals, that was a that was a high-scoring like a thirty-something, thirty-something game. Who, who knows how, how many touchdowns are going to yeah. get slung in this game. But uh, player to watch out for, in my eyes, on the Cardinals, same guy that got the uh, punt muffed, <laughs> Rondale Moore. That kid is absolutely explosive. Like, it, I thought he was Kyler Murray some of the times and he was running <laughs> with it because he's that fast. And it's like, it's you know when you see that guy on TV that just has that extra gear? Oh, yeah. Rondale Moore is one of those guys. Same build, too short receiver. He would been he would have been a great Patriot as well. Seahawks and 49ers, Brian. Another NFC West. Other matchup. other half of the NFC West. Other like, how many how many good teams do they have to have in that conference? Seriously, <laughs> it's. I mean, I'm glad I'm not in the NFC West, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Russell Russell Wilson's had his struggles this year with uh, getting a W. I mean. He he played. He's been playing well, but they just haven't really been able to get get the win. And against a team like the Vikings, which they've beaten us like every single time we've ever played them in the last <laughs> ten years, didn't win this one. I just don't think it's the Seahawks year. I think there's. I don't think they're a bad football team necessarily, but I think it's just every week. It's just going to be like hard for them to have that edge over the other team. And this is one of those teams that you're not really going to have the edge over. Another team that's going to be extra hungry after a, a tough loss last week. San Francisco 49ers. They lost to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. That was a heartbreaker with Mason Crosby's end-of-the-game field goal. They're, they're, they're going to be extra focused at practice during the week. They're coming out. They're going to hit the Seahawks hard in the mouth. 
I agree. I don't think either of these teams have given you a reason to believe in them at this point in the season. The Seahawks just took a bad loss to Minnesota, although it was on the road. Uh, that's a team that a lot of teams predicted they could beat at the at, at U.S. Bank. I know, again, we're, we're sports taco silver fans. but the, the 49ers, they knew the ball was going to Devontae Adams last week, and they did. They uh, couldn't do much about it. They really couldn't. So what's, what's saying that they can do something about Metcalf or... Lock it. It's a great point. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be hard. I think the the thing with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is they just have that next level connection. I mean, the, those those two guys could finish each other's sentences. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're peanut butter and jelly. They're LeBron and D Wade. Uh, they've they've played together for a super long time, and and so has Lockett and uh, Metcalf and Russell Wilson. They've they've probably started to build some of that chemistry. And I think each week they're going to have their explosive plays. Usually DK Metcalf is going to blow one over the top and jump over a D-back and catch it for a touchdown. He did that against the Vikings. Doesn't mean they're going to win the game. So we hope the 49ers can can learn from their previous mistakes and, and cover them? Yeah, that's, that's the hope. <laughs> All right, give us your last... Tasty last, top five juicy game. Last game of the week, Raiders at Chargers. Is this uh is this the Monday night game? Yes. Yeah, Monday night, Raiders at Chargers. Chargers, big W last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. I wasn't expecting that. I thought the Chiefs were gonna beat them at home. To go into Arrowhead and to beat that caliber of a team, that's impressive from a second year quarterback in Justin Herbert. And that's another thing I want to touch on. Justin Herbert is a second year quarterback. It's unbelievable. And think about how much better he is than the rookies. From a full year in the NFL, a full year of playing, that's the difference. And some of these quarterbacks were so highly scouted and so highly graded coming in this year. It shows you just how hard the drafting process is, especially when you're trying to find that right fit of a quarterback for your team, for your organization for 10, 15 years. I think the Chargers have their guy. They do have their guy, and people forget that it took Tyrod Taylor's lung to be punctured, and Justin Herbert was thrown into the wind. I think it was week two last year, right? Or week three. And he had absolutely no preparation. Obviously, you you prepare to a certain degree, but they were looking to give Justin Herbert more time off the bench, and he comes in and wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think another dark horse end-of-year award candidate on this Chargers team right now is Brandon Staley for Coach of the Year. This guy had absolute stones last week at Arrowhead to go for it on that fourth down to say, no, we're playing Kansas City. We can't get field. We don't need field goals. We need touchdowns. And it paid off at the end with Brandon Stones Staley. Yes, Stones <laughs> Staley. Thank you. That's um, perfect. So the, the Raiders, they're also having a great season so far. Derek Carr is being called an MVP candidate. Ugh. John Gruden is on, what, year four of ten of his contract? <laughs> um, I don't think Derek Carr is going to be able to get the ball off like he was in the previous games this season. Joey Bosa on the opposite side coming after him. Joey Bosa is an the animal. Chargers defense, they do have a great defense. So this I think last, yeah, last year for the Chargers defense, I think they had some injuries. They had some people that weren't there. This year, they're much healthier. Uh I think they're going to hand the Raiders their first loss of the year on Monday night. Look for it. Book it. it. Bet your money on it. Don't blame me if the money loses, though. (laughs) (laughs) Please, and thank you. (laughs) So there you go. There's Brian Gallagher's Juicy Games of the Week. Let's do a little choose-your-own-adventure real quick, guys, because we're coming to the end of the show. Do we want to do more football, talk about rookie QBs, or do we want to go straight to trivia? 
Give me trivia right now. We can yeah. We yeah can let's cover let's, that let's QBs hop into later. let's hop into trivia. Let's we, hop we've touched into on trivia. the we've been touching on QBs this whole time. We've been tu- we've been we have been touching on QBs this whole time. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get Brian's uh, moderating Alex Trebek talents back in the room. He will jump I, it, into the phone. It's booth funny because I have I have such out. a I have such a mixed like with the, when I write the questions, some of them are Jeopardy style, some of them are like questions, some of them are like fill in the blank. They're kind of <laughs> here to throw us off. They're, they're, like yeah, they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. You're like a counting test. Yeah. Now you have two <laughs> contestants for us uh, because Zach and I are back. It, Brian. Kicked my you know what last week. And you always beat us up. All right. Don't don't even talk about <laughs> Brian beating you ah, up. Ah, okay. I mean, we'll see. Uh, maybe Brian went softer on us this week. Regardless, it's time for trivia to go. In this radio restaurant, when it's time to go, we don't ask for the check. We ask the tougher questions. It's time for trivia to go. All right, Brian, take it away. So October 1st, 1975, the thriller in Manila. Muhammad Ali defeats this heavyweight boxer to defend the heavyweight title of the world. Who did Muhammad Ali fight? I'm not a boxing Come guy. Come on. I'm not a boxing guy. Sonny Liston. No. Joe Frazier. That's all right. All right. Next one. That's one. October 1st, 1988, the Chicago Oilers and Edmonton. Chicago Blackhawks and Edmonton Oilers play the first ever event at this Milwaukee venue. Ooh, this is a good question. Wow. Can you repeat that? October 1st, 1988, the Chicago Blackhawks and Edmonton Oilers play the first ever event at this Milwaukee venue. So hockey, I know BMO was made for hockey, but when was, I don't think it was built in... I'm going to say the Panther. 88? I'm gonna say no, I, I, I'm going to go with BMO Bradley Harris Center. I'm going to say the Mecca. The Bradley Center. Yeah, they, oh, okay. were, they built that place for hockey and ended up using it for hockey maybe a couple times. Because if you remember, Aiden's actually been to it. I hadn't. I thought you'd but both get that like right away. They, they have a really deep bowl yep. and a big opening for what assumed to be a hockey team. But mm-hmm. now, because of the Chicago Blackhawks being so close, Milwaukee didn't get their hockey team, their expansion team that they wanted. So yeah. one of the reasons the Bradley Center failed. There yeah. you go. So Zach gets that one. All right. October 1st, 2017. A little more recently in sports history, this former sports star is released from prison. Oh no! Stop. That's Wait, way too 2017. Easy. Answer it. Wait, now I'm rethinking. Is it? Is it OJ Simpson? Yeah, that's a uh, OJ. The juice. Yes. Okay. 2017. <laughs> yes. Yes. They, he's been on the loose for for four years. Oh, oh my gosh. Jeez. All right. If you're in LA, close your doors. Lock them <laughs> twice. <laughs> Just go follow him on Twitter. How about that? <laughs> October second, nineteen thirty-two. The Washington Football Team played their first football game in organization history. They were not the Washington football team at the time. They weren't even in Washington at the time. They they were the Braves of this Northeast the city. Boston Braves. There you go. I'm going to say Boston. Yeah. yeah, the Boston Braves. I knew that. They played at Nickerson Field back in the day. Uh, BU's campus, actually. There you wow. go. So Zach is on the pulse right now. We, we've I know him. I know stadiums pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that'll that's that'll where I connect you. my teams. That's where that's why we'll do... We'll do Zach Zebras, and then we'll do some sort of Paseo Stadium <laughs> segment next week. October 2nd, 2001. This Cubbies outfielder was the first to hit 60 home runs in three seasons. What's the year? October 2nd, 2001. This Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. There we go. I've gotten that one. There we go. October 3rd, 1974. Mr. Clutch 
NBA Hall of Fame guard retired. Who is Mr. Clutch? P. Maravich. Nope. Never heard of it. There are so many yeah, good I I, I nicknames. Know, I didn't know this was oh, his nickname. Geez. There are so many good nicknames Mr. in the yeah. NBA. Mr. Clutch. Uh, Just think of an absolute legend. He has he has other nicknames, what's, too. What's the year? 1974. Give me another retired. nickname. 1974, he retired. Can you help me out? Give me I another I can't give you another nickname. Just like it's one gonna, more. It's going to give it away. So what? Do it. Instead of saying his name. Is Oscar Robertson? No. No. Logo. Oh, Jerry West. Jerry West. I didn't know his name was Mr. Clutch. That's like yeah. that's a savage nickname. That is a good nickname. That seems like oh, it, that almost seems like a new like that was before its time to be called Mr. Clutch in the seventies. I feel like like being clutch is like a newer yeah it's like a nineties two thousands thing. That was a great that, was, that, that was some great trivia. If you're uh, listening, let us know how many you got. I bet you didn't beat me, but yeah, you, you, <laughs> got, you, you got quite a few of them right. No, I, don't I, think I, I tried. I tried, I tried to sprinkle them around, so some of them are some of them are kind of like I, I knew Aiden was going to yeah, get Sammy Sosa out with one. That Boston. I thought both of you guys were going to get the Milwaukee venue like instantly, but I was thinking I was thinking the Mecca because of just the history in the back of, but I didn't realize that, like Zach said, BMO Harris Bradley Center RIP was meant to be a hockey arena, so. There you go. That's and, and then the Bucks just ended up winning a championship in Marquette's home arena. Like, it's crazy how things work out <laughs> like that. <laughs> big, so big arena go. guy. <laughs> yeah, big arena guy. Uh, yeah, so tell us how much you got right. Speaking of arenas, last night Marquette Madness, we didn't cover it all. Yeah, we went to uh, the volleyball game. Marquette women's volleyball, shout out. Those ladies are some killers. Absolutely. Would not want to be on the receiving end of one of those spikes. Like, Killed UConn, uh, took them in. Four sets? Did they, the first, so we showed up after the first set. Yep. UConn won the first set that we watched, so the second, the second set. set of the game. Yep. It was not looking good. Next two sets, Marquette came out and just just destroyed them. Yep, and then shout out Marquette TV, Marquette Broadcast. They ran a great production for Marquette Madness last night. The team was yeah. introduced. Got to meet, meet the was, team, meet the players. Was uh, on the court and running some practice drills. I liked what <laughs> I saw from most of the players. Your starting lineup, Brian. Do you know oh, the guys enough yet? Yeah, no. I, I gave you a starting lineup last night, didn't I? Okay, so what do we got? Quaith? So, point guard, I'm going to go Stevie Mitchell. I'm okay. going to go Greg at the two. Mm-hmm. Who is the big Marcel. Ten? Marcel? Yep. Yeah, Marcel at the three. And then I'm going to go Justin Lewis at the four. And then Kirk Kuath. Quaith? 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 Can we get a... I feel like it's a... The big K? I'll call him big K. I'll call him big K. I have a feeling it's Quath. I think we heard Shaka last night say Quath. Quath? Yeah, Kirk Quath at the five. I like that. I think that'll be our... That'll be our starting lineup. I think that I'm gonna take uh, Greg Elliott out of that lineup for you and put someone else in there. Whoever the hardest working, maybe Tyler Kolek. I heard he's a killer. So I, I think he, I think he's gonna be like a sixth man this year. That's the vibe I'm getting from him. Like a Chartuni. Yeah, and I think I think our uh, lineup. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you I, said I it. Make a I, you said six men. Chart. Chartuni was our sixth man Did for most just, of the year. But Chartuni. You go, you're really going to put a bad omen on this kid? What, what was wrong with Chartuni? I love Chartuni. He, he came up with some clutch defensive efforts. <gasps> efforts. Yeah, I mean, he got the ball. <laughs> Hardly. I mean, Maybe. That's, that's like saying this is a good radio effort today. Like, I mean, we did do good today, but like, Chartuni, there's the difference between us and Chartuni. The, the number one thing that stuck out to me about the Marquette Madness, though, it seems like what the team does is a lot of it is based on conditioning. We like, They were literally just doing drills, like running up and down and the court. And we have talked about Shaka Smart's and, yeah, Havoc I'm, defense I'm and excited, how excited we are I'm for excited that. for the Havoc. I think that the I'm 
what I'm going to look for the next couple weeks. What will our Havoc defense lineup be? Like, if we need, an, like, an ultimate Havoc, need people to just... Well, it's it's going to probably be the longest lineup. Think of tall, taller guys at, at each position. All right, we're going to do a scouting report yeah. then. you yeah. got to give me that in the next couple weeks. Are we are we going to go... The Shaka said there's an opportunity yep, to watch the team. we're going to Pfizer Forum. Should we get a media pass for that? There's a, there's an open practice at Pfizer, and then there's uh, sort of a Halloween kids' night where they're scrimmaging. Brian, you can go to that. Yeah, the Halloween. <laughs> Halloween hoops. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Halloween hoops. There you go. Uh, Who should I dress up as? Buddy the Elf. Shaka Smart. The elf. I have your uniform. No, it's Ted Lasso. That's the answer. Oh, yeah. we teased uh, Aiden's uh, yeah. Halloween costume. I think that's been... I feel like we've had that in the works for like basically six months now. How much we're going to beat Ted Lasso... Or basically how I have to beat Ted Lasso for Halloween. What are you guys going to go as? It's October 2nd. Nate. <laughs> Roy Kent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll take a picture right here in the studio. Uh, is Halloween on a Saturday this year? I believe it. I know it's a uh, the weekend of the Big East Cross Country Championship. Sunday. Shout out to Be- uh, Marquette Cross Country. They're in Louisville right now on a, at a meet, right? Yep. You said they're, they're last they 5K? Ran this morning. Actually, last 5K? Last 5K for the girls this season. That okay. goes to championship 6K. 6K. Championship mileage yeah. right there. I can't say go cards. I just said it while I while you guys were talking, so I got to take that back. I'm usually a Louisville fan, but it's since no, there, no, I've no, been to the most beautiful yeah. campus. Uh, I wish them all obviously the best of luck today. That's I think gonna wrap yeah. it up for us. It was right? a pleasure. We got boys. nothing left. We got nothing left in the tank. Just like Joseph Chartouni at the end of his Marquette career. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us. Like. <laughs> you gotta stop. We're getting Chartouni really, on. Jeez, he's yeah, gotta defend we himself. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, we have to get him on to defend himself. I'm sorry, Joseph. Uh, so that'll do it for us this week here on Games of Grub. We'll be back, locked and loaded, next Saturday uh, from 10:30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Central Time, 11:30 uh, a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be back. But for now, the great tone of John Fanta settling us out sending us out into the weekend this has been games and grub this has been games and grub <laughs>